I'm actually going to do something a little different rather than seeing my face, which, you know, hate it or love it. I'm going to I'm going to share some slides today. So we'll have a little uh, visual, extra visual stimulus uh, for us to look at. So I don't know. Kate is OK. Here we go. Perfect. Um, let's do. Excellent. So thank you guys for sticking through the entire first day just just to hang out with me. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And hopefully this conversation on small data, how pet projects can improve your life and business will be useful and meaningful to you. Kate had already introduced me, so I, I think we can avoid that part. But something, if, if you're familiar with my content, with anything I produce, I'm a big believer in explaining through examples. Uh, examples to me are the thing that are incendiary. They create that spark that inspire other people. So if you hear about my projects or some projects that other people have done, you might get an idea from that and you might be able to integrate that into your own life rather than me just telling you how to build a project or telling you what to do. I'd much rather show you and have you create those really cool connections in your own mind and bring those things into your world. So I'm going to start with a couple projects that I've done. I'll move on to a couple ways you can integrate projects into different specific areas of your life. And then at the end, I'll show you the steps you can use to really bake these things in and make them uh, part of a daily routine or part of um, you know this, this, this avalanche of things that, that can bring you success in all of these different areas of your life. So let's get started. For me, all of this really did um, begin with golf. So I played golf in college at, at a fairly high level, but I, would, I was practicing all the time. I was working really hard and I just couldn't seem to keep up with my peers. It was infuriating. I was going, I was waking up early. I was going to the gym. I was going to the range after class for hours and I just wasn't, you know, competing as well as my peers were who were, you know, like at the bar until four in the morning. And so I decided I needed to do something very differently. So at the time I was an economics student and I'd, I'd been dabbling with Excel and I thought it would be interesting if I collected my own data. So I went through, I collected all of the, the scores for my rounds, the holes, where I was missing my tee shots, where I was missing shots all over the golf course. And I eventually was able to understand the weaknesses in my game, but more importantly, the areas where I could make the greatest marginal improvement. So if I spent, an hour in one area of my game, I might improve less than if I spent an hour on another area of my game. So I really started a practice like that. I used this data collection and this, this quantitative mode of thinking to make a meaningful impact on my performance. And I did, I started playing a lot better. I got good enough where I even tried to play professionally, although the numbers did suggest to me that I wasn't good enough to keep doing that over the long term. So um, re regardless, this is something where I didn't have any data science skills. I was just collecting data and and it did have this meaningful impact on my performance. And that small thing, it gained momentum. And now this is what I do for a living. I analyze golf performance at the highest level. So it, it's funny how this thing started as me just selfishly wanting to, to beat my teammates and it transformed into this career for me. Now let's move on to something that is way less important than golf, and that would be uh, personal health. Um, for for my health, I had felt that I was lacking energy for the last couple of years, and I went down a bunch of rabbit holes trying to figure out how to improve my energy. And there were two main levers that I thought were really interesting to pull. So the first was sleep. The second was how I ate. 
And I came across these two books that had, again, a very meaningful impact on my health and my life. So the first is called Why We Sleep. And Matthew Walker goes really in depth into sleep hygiene. So the things we can do to improve our sleep, but also the importance of sleep in our lives. And it, it terrified me, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, in that case, he did all of the hard work doing this research. I just had to read it and apply it. And so the same thing, I bought this. This is a Aura Ring, it's a sleep tracker. And I also track some of the activities that I do every day related to my sleep, exercise, where I put my phone at night. And I was able to figure out, okay, these things by this experimentation A-B testing have a really positive impact on my sleep or a negative impact on my sleep. The same thing with the book is called The Personalized Diet. This is an article about the book called The AI Diet. And this is out of the Weissman Institute in Israel. And they found that your uh, gut bacteria, your, your microbiome for each individual person is unique. It's like a fingerprint. But your gut bacteria also has a, a tremendous impact on your sensitivity to foods. So they, they actually used quite a bit of machine learning. So if you give them a sample of your gut microbiome, they can tell you what foods you're sensitive to. So I read this book. They also have some experimentation things where I can eat, I can journal how I feel after the food energy-wise. I can also uh, test my blood sugar after the things that I eat. And it was a very quantitative way for me to figure out the things that, that worked well for my body and my energy levels and the things that didn't work relatively well. So this case is a little different. I am, I am, you know, hopping on the shoulders of giants where I'm never going to do the sleep research. I'm never going to do the, the gut microbiome research, but I'm leveraging what they have and I'm localizing and I'm making it useful to me. These are all still pet projects. The last example I want to use is of my, my YouTube channel. So as uh, Kate had mentioned before, you know, I, I have recently passed the 100,000 subscriber threshold on this platform. But it, it obviously wasn't always like that. Just a year ago, I had uh, less than a couple thousand subscribers. And even before that, you know, six months before that, I had less than a thousand. And so this is when I ran this analysis. I was less than a thousand subscribers. And I looked at all the different, uh, you know, a bunch of the different factors that could contribute to me gaining subscribers. And at the time, subscribers to me was really meaningful as creating a community, as creating this critical mass of whenever I published a video, I wanted people to be able to watch it and kind of get that spark going in the algorithm so it could essentially get to more people. And I looked at a bunch of the different things that I thought could be associated with uh, subscriber growth. So how many videos I publish, when I published them, when I posted them, all these different things. And I found that the single biggest contributor to gaining new subscribers was introducing myself to Facebook groups. Now, I did this, uh, like. I'd post in a couple Facebook groups every day. And this is what really created momentum, getting people interested and involved with my channel. And I hopefully wasn't spamming. I was doing my research on the communities, making sure I was in line with the guidelines. Um, but that one thing, again, had the largest impact. And if we can see on the slide, it's a little small, but every Facebook intro post I made based on this regression, it essentially equated to around a little less than 20 new subscribers on my channel. So I probably did like a couple hundred of these and, and it, it did equate to, to a lot of growth in, in, my, uh, in my platform here. So to me, that was something very clear cut, the, something I used a bit more advanced analytics for. And it was really easy for me to see what my decision should be going forward there. Again, this is like essentially early college math that I used here, but 
I was able to, this is, uh, I'm a firm believer that this is something that really kickstarted the growth of my YouTube channel here. Unfortunately, I hate to tell everyone who's trying to grow on YouTube now, um, I don't think this tactic works anymore. It's become quite saturated. So I'm planning to rerun this analysis to see at my stage now what, what the most uh, important levers to pull are. So what is a pet project really? So all of these had some element of data collection, some research and experimentation, and also analysis. But I wanna make it clear that a pet project does not have to have all of these things. A pet project can just be data collection, right? If I am you know, trying to get healthier and part of, part of getting healthier is me losing a little bit of weight, just tracking my weight every day, weighing myself, looking at the scale, Sometimes that's enough. It puts it into the front of your mind. It gets you aware of that area of your life that you didn't have before. I'm a big fan of this other book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And um, one of the things that they do there is they make a scoreboard for yourself. So you're seeing and you're tracking your project. And often that is enough to inspire action. We touched on the research and experimentation. And I also touched on the analysis in that last YouTube video. So. What are some examples of projects that could help you based on a specific area of your life? So for health, I'd mentioned just tracking is enough. So sleep, workouts, food. I also think you can experiment with those things. One, one huge, huge factor in my life is I stopped sleeping with my phone in the same room. At 8 p.m., I throw my phone into a drawer in my desk, and then I, I go to bed upstairs. And that's been a, a game changer for how I sleep. The next thing is getting a job. So something I find interesting is that I find that very few people who want to get data science positions approach the data science interview process like a data scientist. I said data science a, a lot in that sentence, uh, I guess. But um, the idea is that, okay, what, what skills should you have uh, for one of these positions? I recommend going and analyzing a bunch of job postings to, to figure that out, right? So you can go and you take 25 to 50 positions that you would like to work in, and you see what programming languages they're, they're recommending. You see what uh, soft skills they're looking for. You see what tools they'd like you to be using. And you aggregate that and you take maybe the top five uh, that, are, that are most common and you make sure you know those cold. You make sure they're on your resume. Uh, and I did something sort of similar to this with my project from scratch series on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in building a portfolio or you're looking at, at expanding on uh, your own projects there. The next thing with getting a job that I saw, my friend Jeff Lee uh, tracked all of his job application success rates by channel. So if he was doing a resume drop, if he was doing a referral, if he was applying in some other way, he tracked his success across all those different avenues. And he was able to determine for himself, you know, what are the best ways to get into a company? You know, is it a resume drop? Probably not. Is it a referral? Probably yes. Is it some other way? Uh, those are also pretty high probability ways as well. And so this helps him anytime he wants to go in and do, uh, if he ever wants another job, or it helps anyone who, who reads his blog post. And I'm happy to share that one if anyone reaches out to me. Um, on, you know, switching to the business side, uh, something for me on, on YouTube, I'm trying to create a, a better way to engage with the community. So I'm building a customer facing leaderboard to, to kind of show and track interaction engagement with the channel. You could do something similar with your business. People love to hear how engaged they are with the platforms that you're using. Uh, something a little bit more simple is just an A-B test of your mailing list. Um, these are all pet projects. They're, they're, they don't have to be large. They can just be one-off things. But if you learn something from it, it creates value. 
The last area is leisure. I personally love doing these. I think they're fun. Uh, I saw someone do a project where they analyzed their Spotify data. And you know, Spotify has a great algorithm, but it's meant to be customized to however many millions of people that are using the platform. You, in theory, could probably build a better algorithm if it's just for yourself. So this person was fascinated with finding new songs, discovery, and he went about and built one for himself. Another awesome one I heard about on Clubhouse was from Iasia Brown, and she made a smart mirror uh, just for herself to use, for her kids to use, to help organize their life. And she kept adding to it, she kept adding to it, and it turned out to be something that is like completely integrated with their household that they use every day. And she works at Microsoft now, and that was instrumental in her getting her job there. She could talk about what she did, talk about the additions. All of these things are elements of what you do at work. Now, I just wanna end with a little overview and how you can start integrating these things into your life. So my biggest advice is to start with a problem. In all the three examples I was using, uh, I started with something very clear-cut. I wanted to beat my teammates in golf. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to grow my YouTube subscriber base. The second thing is to collect data. That's something that you just need to do, or you at least have to know where it is being collected and aggregated. That could be as simple as wearing a fitness tracker. Uh, the third thing is you want to see if other people have solved something already. So I didn't go and try and do all the sleep research on myself. I didn't try and go and do all this diet research on myself. I went and found people who had already done that pretty aggressively at, at a way higher level than I would ever do it. And then I integrated it into my life. I expanded on it and I localized it for me. The last thing I would recommend doing is to share your pet projects with other people, just like I'm doing right now. Um, and I wanted to end uh, with, with these dog images because there it was a cool project I saw online. Someone generated using GANs images of their dog. And in my mind, literally and figuratively, that is a perfect pet project. Now, thank you so much for, for tuning in. I'm happy to take some questions now. Uh, if you want to ask me questions uh, for Overflow, the best way to do that is comment on my YouTube channel. I respond to all my comments. Uh, and I'm also available on Twitter. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Ken. I, I love this uh, picture. I'm going to keep this up for a minute so people can get your. <laughs> oh, your no. Link. Oh, okay, so you, you removed it. So I'll oh, no, sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to look at the screen. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Well, yes, I have your your slide up there. But Ken, thank you so much. That was a great presentation. I I love the idea of the pet project and how you wrapped it up with an actual literal pet project. Um, I can definitely relate. When I was getting started, I actually used my running data to visualize it. I would visualize every mile I ran and look at the pace and kind of it kept me running and it, it I even had like a slogan where Kate runs on data literally like I would run and then <laughs> I love that. data and that was part of what kept me going to to hit those targets to see how the the trends are, are forming and all that. So definitely great advice here. We do have a lot of questions and comments. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to that right now. We've got uh Emily saying she loves your YouTube channel. Thanks Emily We've got uh, Chatanya saying, yes, Ken, you have a lot of fans here, Ken, a lot of fans. So Awesome. Thank you all. Yay, Kenji. Um, there have been a lot of questions of where what where they can find your YouTube channel. So we can share a link after the session, but it's called, it's Kenji, right? If yep. they just look for you. Exactly. Okay. You can go to YouTube, uh, just Kenji. And also, oh, no, I didn't put the link, but yeah, it, it, I should be the first one that comes up. <laughs> 
If you're not, I'd be worried, yes. <laughs> so, um, Nivetita is saying, yay, you're so inspiring, love your post and your hashtag 66 days of beta. Do you want to do a quick plug on that hashtag while we're here? Yeah, sure. So for anyone that's interested in kind of taking your data science ability to the next level, I'm the biggest, I'm a huge believer that habits are the most important thing uh, to do that. So rather than grinding for a couple days and doing, you know, six hours a day, I think it's more important to create this daily habit of learning data science. So the 66 days of data challenge is very simple. You just have to learn at least five minutes of data science every day for 66 days. And you have to post on your favorite platform about what you learned that day. So the other big component there is accountability. Make you know, if you let other people know you're doing it, you're more likely to continue doing it. Uh, and sharing your work is also really important, as I had just alluded to in the presentation. Absolutely. I agree. All right. There's a, a question here from Matthew. Ken, what collection of small projects would you recommend for a comprehensive general understanding of data? So I would recommend doing if if you're yeah, I'd recommend doing a project in a couple different areas. So one is a classification project to determine if you know, uh, if an output is one thing or another. So it could be a binary classification as our model projecting, this is a man or a woman or, or something along those lines. Um, probably not the best example these days, but um, the, the other type of project I'd recommend is doing a regression. So you have, you're predicting a continuous variable, right? So you're predicting uh, how far someone could throw something or something along those lines. And the last type to just get to iron things out is a, class, uh, a clustering project. So you want to take unorganized data um, or unlabeled data and uh, group it into different categories so you can uh, essentially understand the central tendencies and, and what are the similar characteristics of those things. Great. Thank you for those suggestions. Awesome. Um, question from Chris. Ken, have you ever dabbled with the smart golf clubs? I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't know if you Yeah, I, I've looked into Arcos. Um, I, I think they're they're good products. I, I just uh, if if I do the strokes gain data, I put them. I use the MyRound Pro app by TaylorMade. Mm. You, you essentially log it yourself rather than relying on the clubs to do it. But I think it's a cool technology. That's essentially the same data we use for professional golfers from Shotlink. So mm. it, it's pretty neat stuff, and I, I would love to get my hands on that 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 data set for uh, uh, for amateurs. Awesome. Got it. Question here from Sandipani. Is writing blogs on your data analysis project a good way to build one's data science portfolio? It is an incredible way to build your data science portfolio. So, something that a lot of people don't realize is, is blogs are a very powerful way of communicating. In the workplace, especially now, you communicate more through writing than you do through voice or calls or whatever it is. So if yeah. you can clearly write, uh, that shows something to employers uh, about you that that can be pretty compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, comment here from Jean, watching now, this is a great unique conference. Yay, thank you. Likes the flow of the speakers and the timing in between. That's that's awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Vamshi is saying, how does one collect data or retrieve data and analyze it? Like Excel or I guess Vashni didn't finish um, his thought, but. What, yeah, what so you, you can log things in Excel. That's what I was doing for my golf game. There are plenty of apps where you can track your own data, especially the fitness data I was mentioning. Uh, you can have wearables, so the Oring, a Fitbit, a Apple Watch, you can all export that data. Um, in addition to that, you can use APIs. So for example, I can use the YouTube API to export everything on my channel. So um, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of stuff being collected on you. You can even, I think, download your Google Maps data. So um, just being aware of it is is kind of the big battle there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, question here from Ravit. How was the hot chili super insightful session? Remember the, the pepper, so. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 I ate a habanero and uh, tried to explain data science and it was not my best choice. I, it turned out to be a fun video watching it, but in the moment, it was a terrible idea. I will not be making that into a series. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, we do have time for one last question, even though we probably have at least 100 that we didn't get to. <laughs> so Walid's asking, does teaching someone also help, just like blogging? Yeah, I, I always recommend teaching. That's something that I've used again, I'm using a lot of levers, but that's a powerful lever in my life. If, if I can teach something, then I believe I truly know it. I think teaching something, unless it's in a formal setting, it's a little harder to explain the value. Mm -hmm. So unless you're recording the teaching session or it's formalized, like you're an instructor for a course or you're an instructor for a university program, it's harder for employers to see that if, if that's there you're going. But I love the idea of teaching. I think it's very valuable, very important, and is a great skill to have as well. Awesome. Well, Ken, thank you so much for speaking at the Dedicated Conference. Really appreciate you taking the time. And like I said, if, if you have time to go address some of these comments and questions, they're really flowing in. Um, a lot of questions for you. And guys, go check out the hashtag 66 Days of Data. Definitely follow Ken on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on YouTube, obviously, where if you're not following him there yet, uh, but Ken, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. The conference was incredible. And any overflow questions, feel free to, again, just post them on um, one of my YouTube videos, and I will respond to it there. Again, that's the best way for me to, to respond. That's where you're I organize everything. Yeah, I, you're I, I, I like it. I like being busy, though. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you, Ken.